welcome to this week's episode of Better Than Sex. I'm Julia Reed Nichols. I'm Kitty Katzemil. And uh, we have a special guest for today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. My name is Step, and I am the creator of the uh, gender-inclusive adult toys, cute little fuckers. Awesome. And what is, like, the elevator pitch on cute little fuckers? So cute little fuckers are um, high-quality, gender-inclusive, vibrating silicone adult toys shaped like adorable monsters. So every cute little fucker is shaped like an adorable monster with its own names and pronouns and backstory. And they're all uh, adorable little characters in themselves to help make sexuality and sexual expression more inclusive and accessible. They really are cute. You can't help but smile. Um, when you- I, I, I especially love the comic. Yeah, the comic is so much fun. It's so fun to get to give like a life behind the toy. explain the comic how did i miss the comic what's the comic yeah so we have a web comic series on the website where all of the sex toy characters are characters in the web comic so you get to actually see their like personalities like come out in story all of the stories are really it's all like cheeky fun like it's a little light ongoing saga where lots of funny sex jokes a lot of sex positivity a lot of like you know sprinkle in some like education in there you know really trying to make like a a story that's fun and educational and silly uh all at the same time and help you like love your toys and characters even more (laughs) oh my gosh that's the cutest thing i've ever heard of sex toys with personality i love it yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's very it's very cute. They go to like outer space and stuff like that. And, <laughs> and yeah, where can people find if they want to find the comics? Where can they find the comics? Are they just on your website or on Instagram or? Yeah, they're on, they're on our website. We also post them uh, on our social media pages, but you can find them all on our website. So if you go on our website, there's like a couple different. There's like a section for art where we have our video blogs and we have our own podcast, and then there's also the comic section. So you can go and you've got all the comics that you can read for free. They're all free accessible. So yeah, go and check them out. And actually a fun thing, if you go on the comic site right now, the most recent post is actually an announcement of a fan art competition. So we're actually encouraging people who want to participate to draw their own art, which we'll share with the community and put on the site. So we're actually like bringing the community into this whole comic creation uh, and art creation process which is a lot of fun we actually just announced that this morning so that's like brand new uh, and i'm really excited to see what people do yeah that's a lot of fun and so you have a podcast as well what's the name of your podcast is it cute little fuckers or something else it's fuck this podcast okay (laughs) and what is your podcast focus on yeah it's uh the fuck this podcast focuses on um kind of like things that are under people's skin a little bit as far as like sex and sexuality and gender identity goes. It's very sex positive podcast where people share kind of like things that they're still working with and grappling with kind of like on the cutting edge of like sexual expression and gender, um, always with a, a bend towards the fun and goofy while also being really real, just kind of like a full emotional expression is what we're going for. 
And what got you interested in all of this? How did you first like dip your toe into the world of like, cause was it the sex toys? Was that your first thing? No, actually before sex toys, I was running a lot of events. Um, and so kind of what really got me into it, Reg- I mean, you know, it's hard to say. Regular so, events or sex, regular events or sexy events? Sexy events. Was, was sexy events. Idea. Okay. Fun events. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Fun fun events. Events. Because my guess is, uh, my understanding is that your question was like, how did you get into the world of like yeah. doing fun, sexy stuff? And so, you know, I mean, I, it really started with me enjoying it in my personal life. Um, member in college, I, I had a partner who uh, introduced me to BDSM and kink. And it just like really clicked in like, a really fun, intimate, creative part of my brain uh, and just really made me feel super full and expressed. And I loved that. I really did. Um, But it was always something very like secret hush-hush. I was living in Washington, D.C. at the time. It was like very much a no-no. and Just kind of did it in my personal life. And then I got really tired of kind of, to me, D.C. felt very stifling. And so... I, I have a, I, I'm going to interrupt for a second. I have a question. I bet DC has some really good dungeons. Is that the case? DC had, I only ever got to experience one public dungeon. It was mm-hmm. pretty cool. It just wasn't very easy to go to. And I mean, easy mm-hmm. in that there was a lot of hoops you had to go through in order to be admitted and like yeah. membership fee yeah. and had no proration. And I understand the need because DC, everyone's worried about what everyone's going to say and be showing, showing up in a dungeon, mm-hmm. could, I guess, ruin your career there. I think it's ridiculous that that's the case, but unfortunately that's the case there. So I understand those hoops and barriers, but for me as a like broke college student who was also studying electrical engineering and physics. So I didn't have like a ton of, I had oh, wow. money, but also was overworked. And so, <laughs> and so you know, going to like an event where they vetted you before you went to the event with where you then had to like pay a, a monthly membership fee. It was just like so inaccessible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I imagine behind a lot of closed doors are epic dungeon spaces, but I never got to experience <laughs> them. And I'm really upset about that. <laughs> there's, one at, there's, there's one at the bottom of the Capitol, apparently. Oh, okay, can gosh. I can Lucky I make duck. just like a wild guess where you ended up? If are you in if you went for like a sexual place, did you end <laughs> up know. in Portland? Are you near Portland? Close, but not Seattle? Quite. No, where? the other direction. Oh, are you like Aurora or Arvada? San Francisco. San Francisco. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. I feel like everyone's <laughs> I feel like that West Coast, that Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, that's where like everyone we talk to it's really funny it really is a hotbed for this like sex positivity um yeah which which is amazing and is amazing for me so i ended up out here i like knew san francisco was sex positive i didn't quite understand the full extent um i was very pleasantly surprised when i arrived here (laughs) but i just was done with dc i'm like what's the opposite of dc san francisco cool Mm -hmm. i'm going i knew nothing about it i showed up here and very quickly got involved in the BDSM scene here. And everyone was just so nice and welcoming. And 
thoughtful and very like fun. And there was like tons, the events were so accessible. I mean, there's a cafe here that's just a BDSM cafe where you can just walk in and get a cup of coffee and like see someone getting tied up. And I'm like, this is great. I literally ended up there <laughs> the first day in San Francisco. I ended up at Wicked Grounds. Um, and that's what I was, I was like, well, what's it called? <laughs> yeah, Wicked Grounds. Wicked Grounds. Promote it. It's, where, it's amazing. Where, where is it? Where in SF is it? It's uh, 8th and Folsom. It's right in the middle of okay. Folsom, which is like the kink yeah. section of the world where Folsom Street Fair happens and all of that. Um, so if you're in San Francisco, you know, post-pandemic, uh, go to Wicked Grounds. It's the bomb. Um, I went there, like, was just like, oh, all of this community and culture and accessibility. And I just really loved it and got involved and then ended up running events myself. Uh, and I ran a lot of events, mostly workshops. I actually started even a collective called Loud and Queer, which was an event collective. Um, a little on hi- hiatus during the pandemic because events womp womp sad sad well especially but. like sexy events because how it's very hard <laughs> to make those covid <laughs> covid conscious <laughs> it's very hard i have some very intelligent friends who have built some technology but even them are like it's just too risky <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh yeah, and so I, I, I really got involved in that and built this collective, have done a ton of workshops, a ton of uh, like rope-bonded workshops and all sorts of different kinky BDSM to like sex-positive play parties to all sorts of things in that world. We even did a rope-bondage fashion show once where it was like a whole fashion show with a Ooh, runway, mm-hmm. but instead of like costumes, everyone was just in different rope-bondage ties, which was super fun. Um, and then that's, that sort of led into the adult toys. Um, I I was really loving doing that in the, on the nights and weekends. And then during the day, I was uh, doing a lot of community development for electronics companies. Um, mm-hmm. And then as I was doing that, this, I, I, this kind of crazy thing ha- happened to me where I, I started having some really intense health issues actually and started um, losing feeling in my hand and having intense pain and actually had to leave my career uh, because I couldn't really use a computer very much anymore. And got to this point where I'm like, well, what do I do now? Yeah. And, you know, for a second, it really felt like my world fell out from under me. Uh, but then I realized there's an opportunity to really do something even more in alignment with like my loves and my life and ended up finding that kind of intersection between sex positivity and electronics and boom, sex toys and started a sex toy company. Um, And then, you know, there's a zillion stories between there and here from our Kickstarter campaign to all of this. But, uh, you know, I could talk forever. I want to. Now, I'm curious, do you uh, like engineer the toys yourself or do you work with a company for that? Like, how does the like development process work for a toy? Great question. Um, so how we do it, there's a bunch of different ways we can do it. Uh, I do all of the prototyping myself uh, and then have a professional manufacturer um, actually do the full scale manufacturing. So every single little toy I can't do. I also, I, I even considered it at the beginning, but with my hand issues, I, I, I couldn't do it at the beginning for the 
Kickstarter campaign and promotion and promotion and really wanted to like get them into people's hands before I went to manufacturing. I hand made about a hundred toys, um, mm-hmm. but it was very slow going because of my hand issues um, and the time it took for the silicone to to harden and the process. Uh, I it I was only able to make two toys a day. Oh, I ended up geez. working for three months to make these 100 toys where every single day went into the lab, spent like two hours, put it all together, left it and came back for, for three months until I had my toys to share out in the world. Um, yeah. And from that, I really, at this stage, I'm not making a hundred toys for prototyping. I understand the process a little bit more, but uh, yeah, in-house using 3d printers um, and kind of electronics and stuff like that kind of throw together the, the package of the first one enough to use it and be like, is this fun? Is this good? Like uh, make make like three or four, give them to a couple people in my community, share pictures with other people and say like, do people like this? Are you like this? Are, are you excited? And then mm-hmm. if so, then we go to the manufacturer and um, they make, they send us samples. So it's like there. So there's like us with the prototypes, then like samples of the professional. And then when we say good, then they, you know, have their machines and they, go through the process and they really uh do an incredible job i'm really grateful for them and our manufacturers actually only manufacture adult toys that's literally the only thing they do in their entire facility so they're they're really professionals they've they brought a lot to the table that even i wouldn't have been able to um figure out myself uh which is great That's amazing. I have dreams of creating the patriotic pecker for pinups on tour for our merch table. So I'm always curious how people <laughs> do sex yeah. toys because it's such I mean it's such a product development. You have to like R&D and do all the things that a regular product would do, you know? How how long have you guys been around as a toy company? Yeah, we're pretty new. Um we're really new. Uh you know, when we started is kind of a funny question because, you know, the idea popped into my head at the, I've really started working on it at the very beginning of 2019. Um, mm-hmm. Just like, and that was just the, the basics. I think it was, I was like visiting home for the holidays, like researching how to make sex toys and, <laughs> and like yeah. contacting people. And it was a really slow process because I was like really at the beginning of my health issues. At that point in time, I really couldn't use my hands at all. I still to this day have severely limited use. But at that point in time, it was very slow going. And so it was very patient, lots of months of slowly picking up pieces of the puzzle and putting together the processes. Um, And then it all kind of culminated when in September 2019, we ran our Kickstarter campaign. which was incredible because we were actually the first adult toy to be allowed on Kickstarter in seven years. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. So it was a really big deal that we were able to convince them that our uh, toys and mission were, were like important enough and like uh, to, to make an an exception to that role. And they really, and they really agreed with it that with like the comics and education and the inclusivity and all of that, it was, it was really worth going the extra effort to get us on the platform, which is awesome. And that went super well. Um, we ended up getting fully funded in 12 hours and tripling our goal by the end, which was like not what I was expecting at all. It was just like, even thinking back to it, I'm like, this is crazy. My life is crazy. It feels surreal even to this day. Um, I'm so grateful for it. And then we were like, great, let's go to full-blown manufacturing. And then COVID hit China um, where we manufacture. And 
then it hit here and it just like really, we were right at that point where we were ready to go and COVID delayed anything. So actually, so it's funny, you could say we started in 2019 or really in the kind of like fully functional, like we're a toy, you can get it, we're in stores. That didn't start until as early as uh, July 2020 was when Mm -hmm. we got our first uh, manufacturing order actually arrived. Um, and we got into stores. So we've really only been like fully publicly accessible for six, seven months now. I mean, it's wow. uh, so like very, very new in that case, but also so much has happened when I say that it's like, how's it been so little time? Like, it, it's just like, we're in so many stores and I'm just like, again, this also just blows me away. And my whole life just feels surreal at this point. It's It, it a was good a good way. idea. The reason it's <laughs> happening is because it was a good idea. You know, it's one, it's, it's something that makes people of all genders feel included, which I think the sex toy industry probably, I, I mean, you just look at the objects and you can tell they're not gender inclusive normally. Right. And then also they're just so cute. Your items are so adorable that, you know, a magazine feels like they can put it in a layout and people are going to want to look at it instead of being like, Oh, turn the page, turn the page. Like, <laughs> don't look at that. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying that. That's that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what's yeah what's it's a great idea though? what stores are you at what retails can people find you at yeah, along uh, with your online website online. absolutely <laughs> absolutely uh wow i don't i don't i don't even think i can give you a full list so sorry about that um i know uh we're definitely we're in good vibrations and pleasure chest and um she and she vibe um we are in Oh gosh, we just uh, started working with an incredible distributor, which just put us into a ton of other smaller stores. So mm-hmm. I, I can't even give you all the lists of them. I even just recently had a bunch of them reaching out to say they love the toys and like looking for other assets. They could do so promo. And it's just like a really cool experience to have mm-hmm. people reaching out and being like, oh, we're selling your toys. You didn't even know that, but we love you. Like just wanted to say, Yay. hey, it's like a really, nice. really cool. So um, so those are like the big ones that you can find us in and we're always bringing more on. Um, and I also encourage people like, Oh, check out your local shop. Maybe we'll be there. And if they're not, maybe you should ask them for us to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? That's a, that's a good way to get people to, I mean, when I worked at Macy's, people would do that at the fragrance counter and we don't get the fragrances in. So why wouldn't it work at a sex store? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it absolutely does, which is which is awesome. So if you like us, think about sharing the world. We're no pressure. We'd appreciate it though. <laughs> and it's, they're primarily sh- sex shops, right? Like, uh, uh, I feel like it's such a perfect fit for like urban outfitters kind of, because like, you know, like that edgy yet like progressive version of like basic retail versus like specified retail, if that makes sense. Yes, that super makes sense. And I am really interested in exploring that. It's funny you say that. That's like <laughs> really on my radar. The, 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 the thing that's been, that I've been really encouraged throughout this process and it's been really good for me is you know, not, not moving too fast. Like as much as mm-hmm. I say so much has happened in the past seven months, uh, like it's, you know, it could have been easy to try to knock on every single door um, and have a ton of growth, but with that, like a ton of problems. And so really like moving patiently, especially moving at the pace of my health is really important. 
Um, mm-hmm. Because if I knock on a zillion doors, then I have to talk to a zillion people. And I only have so much ability with my chronic health issues. Um, so, but with that being said, and with that being said, I really, really would like, and thinking your exact same way. And I'm really hoping uh, this year to kind of pair with some of these really cool, yeah, like urban outfitters and other, other retailers. Like like Kitson when Kitson was still around. Yeah, exactly. Because that's one of the things that I really love about like these toys and cute little fuckers is because they don't feel like toys you have to hide away. They're toys that you like can leave out on your counter because they're cute and fun pieces. They're toys that can be in places where sex toys aren't normally welcomed uh, because they are so welcoming. And it's this normalization process of sexuality that really, like that's my favorite part about cute little fuckers. And what I do is the the real feeling that like little by little we are making sexuality and sexual expression more publicly accessible and just easier to talk about. I mean, I I was just in a uh, magazine. I was just in Ability Magazine, which is a magazine about people with disabilities and things who do that. And they had an article about me. And at the top, they were like, we've never talked about sex and disability before in this magazine, but it's an important topic. So we're going to start now. And things like that, just that's like, just makes my heart feel like it grows a thousand times when I see publications like that saying, oh, we we can talk about this. We can have this forward and make a stand on that. And that can be good and okay and and awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I definitely think that resonates with me and Kat for sure. That's one of the reasons we do this is because um, we think people a lot of times look at dancers or sex toy creators or, you know, porn stars or strippers or whatever, and they think they're a them. Like they think they're something other than everybody else that exists in society. Um, And a lot of times, and they also think they're all damaged. Like everyone's damaged. Like everyone has something wrong with them. And it's like, no, this is, this is what I enjoy. This is what brings me joy. Um, And I get to bring joy to other people with it. And there is a great community around it. And when you start showing that to people and start normalizing it, like you say, it, it becomes a lot less scary. You know, when you think about gay 20 years ago versus gay now and how just like now it's like, kind of a non-issue in a lot of ways to where it was something, you know, that people just were keeping in closet. It's just so sad. I mean, you know, how it was viewed before. So I don't know. It's, I think what you're doing is great. Absolutely. And I, and I totally see that in all of you. And so like, thank you so much for, you know, being part of this. We're all working together to make this a really okay thing for people to, talk about and express, you know, in, in, in easier and, you know, like less reclusive ways. And I think that's really important because it's such an integral part to being human that it's kind of ridiculous that how much of society just pretends it doesn't exist. Um, and then creates like a really toxic loop around it because then it makes people feel more greedy for it, but then they have to push it away more. And, and really when we become, more comfortable with those aspects of ourself. A lot of this harmful, toxic stuff sheds away. It's funny that you mentioned that uh, a lot of people think that people involved in like the sex world are really damaged. And as someone who has spent a lot of time in it, 
I, in a lot of ways, find the opposite, that the people who are in these worlds are just so full and happy and healthy and communicative and expressive. And it's beautiful. I mean, even like the way you all are conducting this conversation, that's like so clearly there. And I mean, it's just so the opposite. (laughs) I always say that like the moment you get into specifics, like stuff like kink and like sex toys, it's like you have to be so self-aware because you have to have gone on that exploration to get to the point where you're like, I like that. And it's a very specific thing, but the self-awareness is the most important part in my opinion, because it, it self empowers you. You're okay with who you are more as a person because you know who you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny. I had a a, a friend who would come to a lot of our sex positive events and even help throw a couple. And it was funny because he was really involved in the kink events and, he considered himself vanilla. He wasn't kinky at all. And at one point I was like, just curious. You're always welcome. But like, why do you do this with us? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally vanilla, but I just like people who have like taken the time to understand themselves. And so I just see so much of that here. And so I like hanging out here, not because I want to tie someone up, but because I just love the people here and like connecting with them. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's very true. It's a nice community. I mean, even from uh, Kat and I used to perform at this tiny little club in Santa Monica. And one of the main goers, there was this group of BDSM people. They would come like every week and they were the best supporters and so loving and so kind. And it was the first thing that kind of like opened me up to that world. And they would take us to events. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, I love this. Like, oh, just a whole, it's a great world. Well, if people want to connect with you, Steph, online, where can they do that? Absolutely. So the best first place to go is cutelittlefuckers.com. Cutelittlefuckers.com. You can find all of our stuff there. Uh, we also, cltoys.com also works. Um, in case you're a publication who wants to write about us but can't write fuck, or in case you're timid to type the word fuck, although it's going to say it all over the website. But anyway, you know, they're sex toys. But um, yeah. both, of those, <laughs> both of those work. They're really great. We're also on a bunch of social media as well. We've got a, uh, an Instagram that's uh, got a lot of fun, a Twitter, um, all sorts of places, YouTube. I mean, it's it's nice that if you Google search cute little fuckers, normally we come up. So that's that's convenient as well but um, those are all great places to do it we always love hearing messages from people so if you find our email on the website or if you um you know just want to message us on social media we're always there we love hearing from people literally like nothing like just whenever i get a message of someone saying like oh just reaching out to tell you like i really love what you're doing and it like makes me feel so seen it's just like it, it is so good and and we get those messages and like that's that's awesome so feel free to say hi or ask us questions or whatever we love hearing from people i rarely view the people who interact with us as a community um, you may have heard me like mention that a lot like i really don't see cute little fuckers as just like a corporation that sells you things like it's it's it, because what we do is part of this like sex positive world where I really do feel like anyone who wants a cute little fucker and wants to use a cute little fucker is like very much part of my community and part of that sex positive world and part of the people who understand that this is an important part of us and humans and like caring about one another. And so 
you know, be, be part of our community, really interact with us. We love it. Okay. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We'll let you go yes. on with the rest of your day, but we had so much fun chatting with you. You're a joy and I can't wait till our paths cross again. Yes. I'm super excited. Thank you so much for having me. You all are amazing. And I'm looking forward to talking to you when we do. <laughs> right. Bye. Bye. Aw, that was great. I'm so glad we got to know them a little bit better. Um, I, I personally am fascinated with the whole process of developing sex toys. I, I could probably pick their brain for ever about that whole process. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like what's very interesting about them is that uh, it's it's like there's so many things going on. There's like the story along with the creation of the product. So like it's, it almost, I think probably has a little bit more impact because they've taken so long to create a story along with a product, which I love. I love like, because that's, that's what elevates like something from a brand to a community, a brand Mm -hmm. to like a really like a story that you love. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm a fan. Check them out. Cute little fuckers. Step is great. Oh my golly. And such white, such white teeth. I was watching the whole time. I thought that too. I I was like, what is your secret? What is your secret? Okay. So, you know, I've been into this Ayurvedic medicine stuff. I've started doing oil pulling. Do you know what that is? For your teeth? Familiar? Yeah. It's supposed to like whiten your teeth and help with cavities. It does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've been trying it and I, and I, I was like, man, like, his te- or their teeth are so white. Like I wonder. I wonder. But I think that the, I think that that's probably like a little bit more than just the Ayurvedic yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, even though I love all the Ayurvedic stuff, like usually when people really and you right now, <laughs> like, like my, my friend Jillian and I take a picture and her teeth are like brilliant compared to mine. And I asked her, I'm like, what do you do? She's like, oh, I got the crest white strips. I get this. I get that. Like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's more than I'm willing to do. <laughs> I know, I'm like, oh, it's too, it's too much work. That's too much work. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll stick with the oil pulling. Yeah. But like, also, are you, you know, specific oils do specific things. I'm sure they said that in your Arabic. Yeah, I'm doing uh, coconut oil. Uh, It's supposed to be good for my, my dosha, my dosha. I'm a pita dosha. I'm learning all about it. Yeah. The, the pizza is the, the fiery one, right? Yeah. The ones that have anxiety. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like that. Yeah, like that. Like you yeah. can't. If you're listening to the podcast, cat's moving her hands up and down. Oh, sorry, sorry. I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she forgot we're recording this for a podcast. It's fine. It's so true. It's so true. It's all right. I, 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 you're talking to the girl who put on a Miami Dolphins T-shirt on Saturday, thinking it was Sunday because time doesn't exist right now. And the half the day I'm wearing it. I'm like, it's game day. I literally did a post on Instagram and I'm like, it's game day. <laughs> <Aww. laughs> Which I, uh, nobody watched it on my story by the time before I realized it wasn't game day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. So I'm kind of having the same thing here. So I had my roommate move out. So now I'm living alone, which is actually really great. I really like it. My house feels very peaceful and my roommate was great, but I love living alone. Um, mm-hmm. But it's very easy for me to lose track of days, days, time. And because I just do the same thing every day. I have like the same routine. 
I mean, I'm getting outside, I'm going for walks, I'm occasionally going to the grocery store and stuff. But like, I'm, I have a couple of walkthroughs and venues later, um, later this week to see some venues that are new in Vegas that I haven't seen. And I keep being like, is today that day? Is today that day? Because I'm like so paranoid. I'm going to miss like the one thing I have to do. <laughs> other than other than talk with Steph, which is amazing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So well-spoken, so well-spoken. I'm like, you are so understanding yourself, which I love. Yes, what a grounded, centered person. Yes. It was, I I really, yes. I, yes. You know, I look forward to a world when I can give everybody hugs again, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll be nice. It'll be nice. So what's new? What's going on in your world, Kat? Anything fun and exciting? Well, I'm in uh, the Bay Area right now. I've been here for like three weeks, right before Christmas. I came. Uh, big debate over whether or not to come, but we were like, fuck it. Yeah, that's, that's okay. It. I'm not going to shame you for it. It's fine. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> No, I mean, like, I was like the one that like, I didn't even buy a return ticket because I wanted to make sure I actually got on the plane before I was going to buy a ticket to go back. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, and the night before I'm like, we're not doing this. And like, my whole family's like, we're doing it. Yeah. But it, it's, it's very, you know, I mean, people are still moving around this country. Like, it's not like everybody's living in a in their own little homes. Yeah, no, and it, you know, it's this whole thing where at this point, everybody knows the risks. Everybody knows what's going on. Yeah. Everybody sees the light at the end of the tunnel and everybody's kind of making their own choices on what to do. Um, I honestly just don't have a whole lot of reason to leave the house right now. Yeah. I just, <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, well, you know, I'll, I'll stay home with, as much as I can, I guess right now. And I didn't go see my family for Christmas because they didn't want me. Um, because of the, oh. I because of the pandemic, they wanted yeah, yeah. me but because of the pandemic. So yeah. I just was fine, you know. And it, my birthday is coming up, and you know, being like, "What are you gonna do? What do you?" Got? I'm like, I don't. I don't know. Part of me thought of giving one of my staff members the job of planning my birthday party for me. And like, <laughs> oh, that, that, that is a tricky thing right there because you got to make sure you pick the right staff member to plan your party. Well, I would, I would, I know which one I'd pick. She's like right. the best planner one. I mean, they all have their <laughs> skills. They all right, have right, their right. Skills. She's the best event planner. But I was like, I was like, maybe I'll have her do it and just be like, put together something small and COVID friendly somewhere. I don't care where, you know, who to invite. Like, yeah. You know, cause it's, it's like the thing is a lot of my best friends aren't even in Vegas. Like you're not in Vegas. My best friend, Brittany is not in Vegas, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like, I'd pretty much be partying with my employees, but that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like them. They're, they're cool chicks. That's good. That's good. good. Um, Yeah. And, you know, uh, we have a project that we're starting to move forward on again. Um, I'm very excited. And when I say again, I mean, like, it's been on the shelf for like five years. Like I actually I was listening to some old podcast episodes and we did talk about it like three years ago. So I remember distinctly writing a in Los Angeles, which shows you, like I was living in Los Angeles. 
So yeah, it was like three or four years ago. Yeah. Maybe more than that. But yeah, so it's been a while that we've written this book. Uh, Beauty is an Inside Job. It's a burlesque star's guide to self-empowerment or something. We're working on it all right now. Working Um, title, working title. Working title, working title. Uh, But we'll have more details for that soon. But it's been really great. And I know for me, it's been a great way to reinforce these lessons that I sometimes forget in myself. So Mm -hmm. um, once we get the book all put together, Kat and I will put together a couple of series of podcasts to kind of break down the book and go through the ideas and the lessons and the stories and everything in there. Um, and also all the amazing, cool women that are yeah. featured in that book. There's yeah. a lot of really badass chicks featured in that book uh, that we got to talk to through our years of doing interviews and stuff. So um, I'm excited to share all the knowledge, all the wisdom. Yes, yes. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, the big thing in my life this week yes. is I finally started using my Instagram. I saw that. I saw yes. the declaration. The declaration. Yes. I was like, I'm going to use this thing. I'm going to use it. I, I'm kind of uncomfortable. For some reason, I'm very good at promoting my projects. I like promoting my projects, but I'm very uncomfortable promoting me. Um, and during one of my meditations, I had kind of the realization that if I don't want to talk about me, then like, why would anyone else want to talk about me and the stuff I'm doing? Right. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I'm going to start on Instagram. So if you guys are on Instagram, please follow me at pinup underscore Julia. Um, and I will follow back and do all the things I I'm having fun with it. It's not super pinup yet, but I haven't done very many pinup things. I've just been home. <laughs> I'm wearing I'm wearing our lipstick today. That's my big pen. Oh nice, nice, nice. It's the vet. You can get it online, pinupsontour.com. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Uh so we got some stories to talk about. We do have some stories. Speaking of adorable sex toys, let me pull up this next one. So you found this super adorable sex toy. I'm like, which one are we talking about? And then I, I saw my notes and I'm like, I remember this. Yes. 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 <laughs> Let me pull oh this up God. again. So this is, oh, do you guys remember that Pixar movie, A Bug's Life? That, that That's actually one of my favorite details of this because like most people don't out of all the Pixar <laughs> movies, it's the least well-known. Like that's what I, Okay, you're right. I mean, kind of. I, I, I've i seen A Bug's Life. I liked A Bug's Life. It was cool, right? Um, right. But it definitely wasn't something that I was, like, turned on it was, by. And it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't Toy Story. Like, we've all seen Toy Story, yes. at least one of them. It's like, so, you have to be deep into Pixar to know The Bug's Life. So, uh, long story short, if you are not watching online, but you're listening to the podcast, is somebody created a Bugs Life fleshlight. Um, For those of you unfamiliar with a fleshlight, what a fleshlight is, it looks like a flashlight, but it's used for masturbation. And it's like filled with like gel and a hole and you just stick your penis in it and go to town. But I, I think you're missing the most important part is that the top of it looks like a vagina. Like it's yeah. not like it's like a weird random industrial thing. Like it's a flashlight with a fake vagina on the top of it that you fuck. Yes. Okay. There you go. Yes. Yeah. And so this, 
Bugs Life fleshlight instead of a fake vagina on the top has the mouth of that creepy caterpillar character, the Bavarian caterpillar character. Um, yes. it, and it's it's a little, I mean, his mouth kind of looks like a vagina. It, it does. It does. It's, it, this is very interesting. This was from Vice and uh, it was during the sale and I didn't actually dive deep enough to see if it actually sold or not. The person who was selling it was selling it for two grand. Yeah. And it doesn't actually work is the other big thing. It only looks like a flashlight. So oh, you're well, paying. Two- so fun. Right. It's like you're paying two grand for a joke without the weird kink aspects of the joke itself. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's because the mouth of the caterpillar is too small, isn't it? Yes, it's very, very tiny. It's very (laughs) tiny. I don't believe, and I don't believe there's actually a slit in it from uh, what I saw. But uh, in the article from Vice, it was actually, it was a joke that was inspired by a meme. So so, so he saw the guy who created it, who was a guy, uh, I didn't write his name down, but like it, uh, there was one, uh, there was a fleshlight meme joke and he was like, I'm going to make that. So then he went and made it, which I think is so interesting that like, he was like, this is the thing. This is, this is my calling in life. And there's yeah. one of, it's one of four. So there are four out there in the world somewhere. Yeah. It says never publicly released, only given to a select few high ranking Pixar executives. <laughs> I mean, I can just imagine that showing up on some executives like desk, you oh know. God. Oh my god. You know, it's just hilarious. It's it yeah. really is. I mean, it's adorable. It's not nearly as functional as cute little fuckers, that's for sure. No. Like, it's, not. It's, it's definitely adorable. Yes. Um in uh other animal sex news. Let's go with that. That's the segue yes. into this. That's, that's, that's the segue. And uh, I will say, I'm going to say it right off the bat. This one also came from Vice. Is that uh, it's this article is over five years old, which was very interesting to me because it says it in big, bold letters on the top of the article so that you don't get confused. It's like, hey, just to let you know, this is old news. Which I thought was well, like, so- it's not really like news. It's like it's a it's scientific a, study. It's a scientific exactly, you know? which is why you know, with our very strict reporting skills here on working we the have teasers- standards, cat. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. I have standards. So, um, yeah. So this, anyway, this- what did this article, this scientific article, state? So this scientific article said that the louder the monkey, the smaller the balls is pretty much the gist of it, which is that howler monkeys, which are the loudest land animal on earth, um, they can do 140 decibels in their screeches. Um, If they had tiny balls, they had louder screeches and they actually would uh, cluster in different uh, uh communities based on how big or small their balls are which is also very interesting interesting (laughs) yeah that the 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 ones with the smaller balls would only do a harem of like a male monkey and a bunch of females and if the ones with the larger balls 
would end up being in more of a uh, groovy kind of situation where there were guys and girls and everybody was fucking everybody. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So now I will say that the article, the scientists say we should not equate this to human behavior. Mm-hmm. We, this is not a, a statement on human behavior, but it right. does seem funny that, you know, sometimes there's that stereotype, the guys with the small like balls and dick are the ones with like the loudest sports car. Right. right. Or, or yeah. like the ones that get the least play or the ones that are like talking it up like they have done the Cat-hauling. most thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, whether or not that's related to this very scientific article, article, article from Vice that we found about monkey balls, I don't know. But I definitely feel like sometimes, I mean, it's kind of like that whole thing when it's like guys start using testosterone, they're like balls get small and stuff. And you're like, okay, so you're all like big and loud and jacked, but like, well, small I mean, I, at least in my high school and college career where you were with a bunch of people and like you would talk about a bunch of people over the mm-hmm. course of like, you know, I always found that like the guys that you would find out had the biggest dicks were like the quietest people. Like, you know, when your girlfriend would be like, Oh no, he has you're like, he's so quiet. He's so like, you know, know, it's, that's, uh, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, you don't have to be as loud because like you have other attributes working for you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, you don't need that Napoleon complex, as they say. You, yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, speaking of historical figures, our, Ooh, next, that's another- our, our next article that we're going to cover is one of my favorite topics, because I don't know, I feel like in a past life, I might have been a courtesan. I don't know. Sometimes I resonate. I resonate with these women. I really do. I resonate with these women. But you found some really cool facts um, about some really cool courtesans. Yeah, I I mean I uh too empathize with the courtesan archetype. I think they're usually like the call it as it is female that is not like very, you know, that kind of takes realizes that life is a joke, you know, and mm-hmm. we shouldn't all take it seriously. Um and there have been the, the thing about a courtesan by its nature is it's not just a prostitute, it's like the educated prostitute, you know, it's where they like you, a geisha in Japanese culture, you know, right. they're, they're trained. Right. You know, and uh, there are a bunch of different facts in this article, but they're, they run the course of like four or 500 years and they're just like fun, sassy women that didn't take shit. You know, some of them mm-hmm. ended up like Nell Gwynn, which was one that we've talked about, I think on the show, but she was a 17th century, uh, prostitute like actress to start off with and then ended up becoming the king's mistress which was like never heard about back in the day and like she just was like silly and like that's why he liked her because everybody else was so prissy that she was like gave him shit called it as it is had a lot of fun all the things that people like people like to have fun you know Yeah, you know, and I mean, these were like established positions in society. Like even one of the facts in the article was that in Renaissance Italy, the courtesans, they registered, they were regulated, they were taxed, just like 
any other profession. So this was clearly viewed as a job. And a lot of times also in the article, these women were trained by their mothers, right? Their mothers were escorts and not, you know, were courtesans and trained them in the arts and the music and the language. So they would be appealing courtesans themselves. Yes. Yes. We've talked about this, but like one of my favorite subgroups of the stripper world are uh, stripper stripping families. I think they're amazing just because like, you don't, you don't grow up with all the stereotypes on why this is bad. They just look at it as a job opportunity. And they're like, this is, this is the art form that like, you know, you're a family, you know, Julia, you grew up in a family of lawyers. So my family lawyers. Yep. (laughs) They're all lawyers. They're all lawyers, you know? And if you just grow up in a stripping family, it's like, we're going to teach you the stripping ways. This is the family business. Um, And the thing is, being a courtesan in some ways during this time allowed you a lot more freedom than if you had a traditional life. Like, you were allowed to write. You were allowed to create art. You were allowed to do things. You were allowed to to read. You got to remember, most most women didn't read back at those days. So it's like the fact that, like, they were taught – all of the finer art forms so that they could entertain the, you know, gentlemen of society, um, which was awesome. Now I will say one archetype of the courtesan that always kind of makes me sad is they tend to die young. <laughs> a lot of them die really young. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of, yeah, I'm a fan of opera and in opera, they all die of tuberculosis. Like everything. Yeah. Uh, like Lady of the Camellias, whatever. She dies of tuberculosis. Everybody dies of TB, it seems like, all the prostitutes. Um, and going through, there were some kind of bummer deaths. <laughs> of these there were. And I feel like also you see the archetype of everybody's like, oh, but they they spent their entire life entertaining men and then died penniless in the poorhouse. Yeah. Um, you see that story a lot, too. Um, or they married for love and then became poor. Like why they were courtesan, they had money and then they married for love and they became yeah, poor. Yeah. Um, yeah. The article also had some interesting tricks. Like this one, this might be like a little TMI, but I thought this was really interesting. Charlotte Hayes, who was like a renowned courtesan, um, sold her first time, like her virginity. She sold it over a thousand times. Yes. Yeah. Because obviously that's, you know, easy money. Um, and she just faked it with who knows what. <laughs> well, and I mean, at that, like at that point, like, I feel like everybody kind of knows it's not her first time. It's almost like the joke of it. Right. Because if you've sold it a thousand times, some of those people are talking to each other. Like you have to have clients come to you in some way or another. <laughs> right. So it's like, if you sold it a thousand times, like at least by like time, like 512, somebody would be like, Hey, wait a minute. Um, but it was, it was a really interesting article. There's a lot of cool things in it. Fascinate was where you found yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. Um, which was targeted to me on some social media, but was full of interesting stuff that we're using here. Uh, a lot of this stuff I noticed ended up showing up in the show Harlots, um, mm-hmm. that like some of the storylines I had seen yeah. from watching a couple of seasons of the show Harlots, which is in Great Britain. And yeah. I want to say like the 1700s, maybe the 1800s, mm-hmm. but it's about courtesans, not courtesans, but prostitutes. Um, but there are some courtesan level people in it. 
Yeah. Well, one of my, so me and uh, my best friend in high school, Brittany, we were obsessed with this movie, Dangerous Beauty. Did you ever see that movie? I loved that movie. I loved that movie. movie. It's such, and I actually think uh, she's one of the courtesans, the the inspiration of that courtesan is in um, this article. I I was like, but I just, I remember watching that movie and being like, what a romantic life. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was like the Marilyn Monroe of the courtesan world in that movie. And her mom was the person who taught her everything in that movie. I remember. Yeah. I I remember them talking about using a turtle shell as a diaphragm. And my high school person was like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't sound super enjoyable at all. But it's, it's interesting. The stories of these women, I always enjoy stories of women that kind of live outside the lines and don't apologize for their choices. Um, and these women are certainly examples of that. Yeah. So Kat, um, that's all I really have this week. Do you have anything else? Nope. I'm good. Okay. Well, what's better than sex cat? Nothing. Nothing, but we're going to keep trying to find out. Um, We'll be back soon with more episodes and more fun. Until then, you can always check us out online, wttburlesque.com or on all the social medias in YouTube at wttburly. Until next time, bye. Bye. LBC's kinda hard being Snoop D-O-double-G But I, somehow, somewhere Keep coming up with funky ass shit Like every single day, may I Kick a little something for the G's And make a few ends as I breeze Through two in the morning And the party's still jumping Cause my mama ain't on I got bitches in the living room Getting it on And they ain't leaving Till six in the morning So what you wanna do? Shit I got a pocket full of rubbers And my homeboys do too So turn off the lights Close the doors But what? We don't love them all, so we gonna smoke an ounce of this cheese up all down while your motherfuckers bounce to this. Rolling down the street, smoking Nando's, sipping on gin and juice, late, Rolling down the street, smoking Nando's, sipping on gin and juice, late, Now that I got me some serums, gin, everybody got their cups, but they ain't Shit happens all the time, you gotta get your the fool I gotta get mine, everything's fine when you listen to the D.O.G I got the cultivated music that be captivating me Who listens to the words that I speak As I take me a drink to the middle of the street And get to macking on this bitch named Sadie She used to be the homeboy's lady 80 degrees, wanna tell the bitch please Raise the bothies and your teeth Cause you're getting none of these at ease As I'm off with the dog Feel the breeze, bitch I'm just rolling down the Chronic that made me choke shit, this ain't no joke I had to back up off it and sit my cup down Tangeray and Chronic, yeah, I'm fucked up now But it ain't no stopping, now I'm still bobbing Dre, got some bitches from the city of Compton Serve me, now with the cherry on throw Cause when I bust my nut, I'm raising up off the car Don't get upset, girl, that's how it goes I don't love you
you hoes, I'm out the door.